Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the uh, monthly estate planning teleconference. My name is Griffin Bridgers. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Today's call is going to govern uh, LLCs or cover LLCs um, and why sometimes they're a good idea and why other times they might be a bad idea. And it's a very timely topic um, given the recent tax law changes to LLCs. Um, so we'll cover some of the, the surface level pluses and minuses and a couple things that you may not be aware of today and hopefully um, this will have some good application to your clients especially those who operate businesses or investments through an LLC or other type of business entity um, so real quick note before we get started as always please mute your phone uh, that way we can uh, avoid hearing coughs and everything over the uh, conference line um, and static and things of that nature. Uh, and I also want to thank everybody who uh, joined in today. This was my first month really sending out the invite by mass mail, so um, appreciate all of you actually opening it and reading it. Um, and I'll have some other changes coming up with the uh, conference in future months, so I'll keep you posted on those by email as well when I do my next invite. And uh, mechanically from now on I'm going to do like I did on this one and provide a um, link to the previous month's audio and when I get it typed up, the notes as well. Um, and I understand some of you had problems opening the uh, Outlook calendar invite. I'm still working on how to get that embedded properly in a mass mail in a way that won't um, reject the mail through uh, spam filters. Um, but please bear with me while I work through those uh, technical difficulties as well. Uh, but let's get to the real meat of why you joined me today talking about LLCs, uh, why you use them and when they're a good idea and when they might not be a good idea. So really oftentimes clients have two reasons that they might approach you or might approach me looking for an LLC. Uh, the reasons might be standalone or the reasons might be you know in conjunction with each other but the most common ones I see on my end are one, uh, looking for asset protection for uh, assets that are in the LLC or for the client's own individual assets when compared to the operations of the LLC. Uh, another reason might be tax to avoid the tax savings that you might, or to get the tax savings you might have. Um, in an LLC form as opposed to operating, say, as a uh, C corporation for tax purposes. Um, but before we get into some of the details of those, there's one common test I like to give to clients who approach me with any idea for an LLC, and it's one thing you should ask your clients as well, and that is, do you have a valid business purpose for setting up this LLC other than getting asset protection or getting tax savings or some combination thereof? And that's the real test. If from the outset you can establish that you had a valid business purpose for doing this other than avoiding creditors or saving taxes, then the LLC is much more likely to stand up at some point down the road if somebody tries to challenge it in a court of law or if the IRS tries to challenge the tax setup or whatever the case might be. So that should always be your question out of the gate. Is there a valid business purpose? And most of the time there will be. Um, 
It could be something as simple as maybe if a client has a lot of real estate that they want to consolidate ownership of several pieces of real estate in the same business entity, and the LLC creates an easy way to do that. Another thing might be just kind of consolidating a family's investments so that there's not several accounts hanging out there. They can be managed under one LLC umbrella. So there's a multitude of valid business purposes you can set out um, or, or create. You just have to document those from the beginning. So in terms of tax, I'm sure this is the hot button issue that a lot of your clients are wanting to know, especially with the recent Tax Act. Um, the surface level that I'll give you, just because a lot of people aren't always um, in the know on the details of how exactly LLCs are taxed, uh, the best way I can put it is that an LLC um, is taxed as a partnership unless you elect out of that. And I'll tell you how you elect out of that in a minute. But um, a partnership is basically not treated as a taxable entity. Instead, it's treated as a pass-through entity. So each partner of a partnership has to report their share of the partnership's income on their personal income tax return every single year. Um, that's what's commonly known as a pass-through entity. All the income is treated as passing through the entity to the individual partners um, for income tax purposes. Now, with respect to an LLC, it's taxed as a partnership, but um, mechanically ref we refer to the people who are owners of the LLC as members. Um, so member and partner are interchangeable terms when you talk about taxation. But the significance of that pass-through tax treatment is best illustrated when you compare that to a corporation where the corporation itself is a taxable entity. If a corporation operates a business and makes money, the corporation has to pay tax on that money that comes in. And then when the money flows out of that corporation to the owners, uh, there's another tax that the owners have to pay on that money flowing out. It's usually taxed as a dividend. So with a corporation, unless it's an S corporation, you have two layers of tax. And I won't get into S corporations today other than to compare them to the pass-through entity, which we see with an LLC, where you only have one layer of tax, the members of the LLC themselves paying their share of the income tax on the earnings of the LLC. So that's the most common tax reason for setting up an LLC, but some other important um, notes are that if you operate as an LLC, typically in addition to income tax, you may also have to pay self-employment tax on part or all of the income of that LLC. Uh, so what is self-employment tax? Well, when you get a uh, check from your employer, you might you often see that there's some kind of withholding for Social Security and Medicaid. Uh, those are commonly known as FICA taxes, and their tax usually is, I think, 15.2% of your earnings and your employer pays half, and then you as the employee pay the other half. But in an LLC, um, there is no employer technically to split that with. Instead, that entire 15.2% is paid on your earnings from that LLC. Um, you can get a deduction on the back end for that, uh, but we won't go into the mechanics of that. I'll just mention that because that self-employment tax applies to an LLC, sometimes people prefer to operate as an S-corporation, which is taxed very similarly um, 
but has some other nuances that are the subject for another call, just because we could spend hours talking about this subject if I go too deep into those. Uh, but for the time being, just remember that an LLC is typically taxed as a pass-through entity if there are two or more members of it. If there's only one member of the LLC, which is permitted under state law, it's known as a single-member LLC, and for tax purposes, the LLC is then ignored. Instead, it's treated for income tax purposes as a sole proprietorship, and the single member, the owner, just reports all of the income of that LLC on their own personal income tax return. Now, in both of those scenarios, the recent Tax Act has created what's known as a 20% deduction for um, business income of a pass-through entity or sole proprietorship. So, generally, if you have an LLC, the earnings from that LLC, uh, even if it's a single-member LLC, um, will entitle you to receive a 20% deduction from those earnings in order to try to stabilize the tax rate on LLC earnings with the new 21% corporate income tax rate. Um, there are there are some nuances to that 20% deduction. I won't get into them very deeply other than to mention that the real exception to that 20% deduction rule is if you operate a personal service business. So if you're doing something like practicing law you know, on my end, or if you're like an architect or an engineering firm or even a financial services firm, then that type of personal service income you're receiving for performing services as a business entity generally is not eligible for that 20% deduction if your personal income is over a certain level. Um, so that 20% deduction starts to phase out for a service business if um, a married couple's income gets over $315,000. And for a married couple, it's completely gone. The deduction is wiped out if you reach $415,000 in joint income. For a non-married taxpayer, you can cut those limits in half for a service business where the 20% deduction starts to phase out uh, when you have $157,500 in income for the year. And that's for you personally and not for the business itself. And then it's completely gone once you personally as a single taxpayer reach 207500 in income. Uh, so that's a benefit under the new tax law, but it's something you have to be aware of um, as you have clients who start to plan for that. My general advice is get a good CPA to run the books because it's going to be very um, difficult to make these calculations every year. Uh, it's going to be beyond the scope of what most tax software out there can currently um, calculate and do. So beyond the general tax um, technical details for an LLC, there's some common mechanisms that are used um, with LLCs for tax purposes. One is, from an income tax perspective, you can maybe gift or sell interests in the LLC to your children as a way to shift income from you, the parents, uh, to your children. Um, that used to be a huge deal, and it used to be something that parents did a lot of, um, and the kiddie tax usually applied then, which said that uh, the, the children's income would be taxed at the parent's rate, but that the child would have to uh, file an income tax return. Um, 
that no longer exists. There's a new kiddie tax regime under the new tax bill that says that essentially children are taxed under the same brackets as trusts. So children have a very compressed uh, set of tax brackets and they hit the highest income tax rate, which is now 37%. I think once you get over $12,700 in income. So uh, the kiddie tax has been replaced with a much crueler tax um, set of brackets. Uh, so shifting income to children who are under the age of 18 now isn't as great of a benefit as it used to be. However, if you have adult children, that's still an option that's on the table um, by using an LLC and gifting interests in that LLC to them. Uh, from an estate planning perspective, LLCs and partnerships are typically used uh, to create a gifting system to gift interests to other family members with the purpose behind that being, one, removing the value of the um, assets in the LLC from the original owner's estate while also potentially getting a valuation discount on the amount of the gift due to the fact that if you're gifting a small interest in an LLC, um, the, the person receiving it might not be able to control the affairs of the LLC and may not be able to sell that LLC interest. So you get a potential discount uh, for valuation purposes due to both lack of control and lack of marketability of the LLC as long as you're gifting um, less than a 50% interest. Another thing you do through gifts of the LLC interests are that you can remove the growth in those assets in the LLC over time as well from your estate if you're the original owner and the one creating the LLC. Um, so shifting income and shifting appreciation out of the estate are the most common estate planning techniques and business planning techniques used with um, families who are utilizing the LLC um, for tax saving purposes. Now from an asset protection standpoint, this is the real meat and bones of why most people use the LLC. Now when asset protection is presented, most people think of this as one-way asset protection where maybe you have a business and it makes sense to operate it as an LLC because if the business gets sued, you as the owner want to shield your personal assets from the liabilities of that business. And that's the most common approach to the LLC and the most common use. That's typically a tried and true technique as long as once again we go back to that basic question, did you have a valid business purpose for setting up that LLC? If you didn't, potentially a creditor can attack the LLC and seek to disregard it is that if they're enforcing a judgment. Um, that remedy is typically a court remedy called piercing the corporate veil. Uh, that traditionally applies to corporations but can apply to LLCs as well, where if you create an LLC and run up a lot of debts and then try to claim that, oh, as the owner, my personal assets should be protected from the debts of this business, the creditor can take into account certain factors and ask the court to ignore the existence of the LLC. In other words, pierce its limited liability veil. Um, 
some of the common facts that a court might take into account would be one, if you don't really put enough money into the LLC, uh, then it, it's not adequately capitalized to pay its debts as they come due, then the court would say that's a, a valid ground amongst other things possibly to ignore the existence of the LLC. Some other things that might be taken into account might be um, if the LLC is basically just operating as a piggy bank for the owner. So if the owner pays their own personal expenses out of the LLC's checking account and vice versa, then a court might argue or, or, or conclude that the LLC is really just an alter ego of the original owner and should be ignored in that case as well. And in that case, the asset protection can disappear and the owner will be held liable for the debts of the LLC. It's a very difficult road to get there uh, if you're a creditor, so uh, piercing the LLC veil is not a common remedy, and setting up an LLC for business purposes or even for investment purposes and shielding the owner's assets from the debts of the LLC is still a viable goal in a lot of circumstances. Now, if you reverse things, if you seek to protect the LLC's assets from the debts of the owner, that's where things get a little more tricky and nuanced. Um, you run into several uh, possible issues if you use an LLC to try to gain asset protection for yourself. Uh, one is the most basic uh, inquiry that comes into play anytime there's a transfer of assets for asset protection purposes, and that is what's known as the fraudulent transfer laws. Every state, including Colorado, has a set of laws called the fraudulent transfer laws, also known as the fraudulent conveyance laws in some states, and even under bankruptcy code, that says that if you transfer assets, one, in a way that renders you insolvent at a time when um, you anticipated having to pay creditors, or if you transfer assets when you're not insolvent, but with an intent to defraud creditors at some point in the future, then that's a fraudulent transfer, and a creditor can seek to reverse that transfer. And that transfer can include putting assets into an LLC. Now, one of the, the gray areas of that that hasn't really been covered adequately in law is that fraudulent transfer laws only really apply when you give assets away with nothing received in return. So if you were to gift away a bunch of assets right before filing bankruptcy, then yeah, fraudulent transfer laws might come into play then. But when you create an LLC and put assets into it, typically that's treated as an exchange of your assets for the uh, for an interest in that LLC. So from a fraudulent transfer perspective, technically it's a transfer for value that shouldn't be subject to the fraudulent transfer laws, but there are several ways in which a creditor can argue around that. Uh, so it's one of those things where if you have a client who wants to go this route, they should be aware of that before they set up the LLC itself. Now one of the benefits is assuming you can set up an LLC and transfer assets into it and you avoid fraudulent transfer laws, then if you as the owner run into creditor problems, potentially the assets of the LLC could be protected from your creditors. And if you were to get sued personally then, 
and there was a judgment against you, um, your LLC interest, even though it's personal property, couldn't be seized by a creditor. Instead, in most states, creditors are limited to what's known as a charging order as a remedy um, when it comes to an LLC interest. So instead of a creditor being able to seize your um, ownership interest in an LLC, instead they have to apply to a court and get what's get a charging order which only allows them to receive the economic benefits of the LLC that you would have otherwise received. So if the LLC produces income and makes any distributions, the creditors would get that instead of you, but the creditors wouldn't get any of the other rights that go along with your ownership in the LLC. So a creditor couldn't say, vote your interest in the LLC to liquidate the LLC and get assets. Uh, and the creditors couldn't necessarily install themselves as managers to control the affairs of the LLC either. That's the general rule. There is a way around the charging order if you're a creditor, and that applies in the case of a single-member LLC. If the LLC only has one owner, then there is a series of cases, one in Colorado and one in Florida, that have found that in that case, a creditor essentially steps into the shoes and gets all of the rights of that single member. So as a single member, you could have managed the LLC and you could have also taken all the assets out of the LLC. So in that case, courts have held that a creditor basically can step into your shoes with a charging order and receive all those rights as well. So in that case, asset protection essentially disappears. So it's not always a good idea to set up a single member LLC um, to protect the assets of the LLC from the debts of the owner themselves. Um, instead, in that case, oftentimes we recommend having another owner added to it or whatever, but then again, you also have to go back to that basic question I posed at the beginning, is there a valid business purpose for the LLC? Uh, if the sole purpose on its face is asset protection, then you're likely to run into a situation where um, a creditor could attack that, maybe on public policy grounds as well. So from an asset protection perspective, uh, the things I'll leave you with are one, remember that the fraudulent transfer laws can apply where if someone becomes insolvent by creating an LLC or if they create it with approvable intent to defraud creditors, then a creditor can come in and reverse transfers to that LLC. Assuming you can get around the fraudulent transfer laws, a creditor is limited to a charging order against um, a debtor owner's interest in an LLC, and with that, the creditor can only get the owner's economic rights. So they could essentially only receive distributions from the LLC, and the managers of the LLC could vote at that time to make no distributions or to make no distributions to the creditor themselves, uh, which would essentially render the uh, interest worthless in the eyes of the creditor. However, that protection goes away if you have a single-member LLC, potentially. So, uh, you can get around that by making sure that there are two or more members of an LLC. Uh, another way around it, too, is potentially to 
create provisions within the LLC agreement that says if a single member becomes bankrupt or uh, incurs debt and is sued, then at that point that single member would step down as manager and somebody else, uh, un an unrelated third party, could step in and be manager at that point to preserve some level of asset protection. But that is all I have for today on LLCs. So um, just to recap real quick, just remember from a tax perspective, if there are two or more members of an LLC, it's taxed as a pass-through entity. Um, if there's only one member, it's taxed as a sole proprietorship. Um, in other words, in that case, the single member only includes the income of that LLC in full on their personal Form 1040. Schedule C to be particular. Uh, if there's multiple members and it's a pass-through entity, then the LLC will issue K-1s to each member every year, and that will report that member's share of income, and that member will include that on their personal income tax return. Um, that tax treatment is special because it's different from that of a corporation which by default is taxed as a standalone independent entity which results in two layers of tax in the, in the case of a corporation typically where the corporation itself pays income tax on its earnings and then the shareholders of the corporation pay tax on any earnings that are actually distributed to them. So from a tax perspective, the common goals are to shift income to other owners, possibly through gifts of interests in the LLC or uh, the sale of interests in the LLC, and also to potentially remove uh, the value of assets in the LLC from the original owner's estate uh, through making gifts of interest as well, as well as any growth in value of those assets between the time of the gift and the time of the original owner's death, uh, because that can save some estate tax down the road. So before we sign off, are there any questions on LLCs that anybody wants to ask or that is uh, burning up your mind as we go through this? And as always, too, if you have any questions after the fact, I would encourage you to email me as well. Happy to answer questions. And as I collect questions after the fact, I'm going to start on my later month's invitation, including not only the outline of the uh, previous month's uh, telephone call, but also any questions I received and the answers to those as well. And obviously, questions will be anonymous if you submit them by email. Um, but that's it for today. Um, thank you again, everybody, for joining me. Uh, stay tuned and watch your email for any changes that might come up in the, cl uh, in the class. Next month's teleconference will be on February 13th, that Tuesday. Uh, tentatively, our subject is going to be powers of appointment what they are and how they're used in estate planning and how they can be used from a tax perspective as well. So that'll be a great lecture. It'll be very timely with our tax law changes. Um, so definitely tune in for that if you're available. If not, you can receive the recording the month after. Um, but once again, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. Hope everyone has a wonderful and productive rest of your day, week, and the rest of your month as well. And um, I look forward to hosting each and every one of you next month on the 13th. Thanks again, and take care.